Good morning. Uh, my name is uh, Bill Gravel, and I, uh, I am not Pastor Charlie Turner. Um, for those of you that are here today that are guests for the first time, um, our pastor's uh, been gone the last couple of Sundays. He's uh, back today. They were on a mission trip to Haiti, and I'm just a lowly fill-in and substitute. I, uh, I'm a judge here in Williamson County. I love what I do, but on occasion, I get to fill in for pastors, and I have a lot of fun with that. I uh, remember the first time I filled in for a pastor, I was a student at Mary Harden Baylor, uh, up in Belton, and I filled in for Pastor John Hooser at First Baptist Church in Bartlett, Texas. I'll never forget that. I was filling in that morning, and the chairman of deacons, his name was uh, uh, Harrison Douglas, he said to me, who are you and why are you here? And I said, well, I'm filling in for the pastor because he's out of town this week, and uh, was filling in for the pastor, and, and I tried to explain to the congregation, they had a window to the side that had been... the the glass, the window pane had been knocked out and it had a piece of cardboard. So I tried to make it practical. I said, I'm like that piece of cardboard filling in for that window pane that's broken. I'm just a temporary solution, but next week it will be back to normal. And so the good news for you guys, next week, Pastor Charlie will be back. The sermons will be back to great and uh, you will love your uh, church again. Well, we were walking out of that church service and Mr. and Miss Douglas were there and uh, she leaned over and whispered in my ear. She said, honey, this week you weren't just a cardboard fill-in substitute. This week, you were a real pain. And um, Mr. and Miss Douglas left church that day. Anyway, today we're talking about blessed are the peacemakers. Uh, we're talking about uh, how the Lord can bless our home and what we can do in our home to have peace, what we can do in our workplace to have peace, and uh, what's important in our life to have... Hey, 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 guys, come on. Guys, y'all been doing this... Hey, hey... Hey, guys, guys, listen, hey, listen to me. Hey, guys, knock it off. You've been fighting through the whole service, and I don't know what the... Look at me when I'm talking to you. I don't know what the problem is, but you need to tone it down. Do you understand that? We're in big church. You go stand in that corner. Do not get over there in that corner. Get over there and stand there. Well, what is wrong with your children? You know... I get this in court every day. Just this last Thursday, I had two attorneys fighting with each other, and they were so dramatic and so entertaining that I literally had to put two attorneys in their corner. And I did. We called it time out in Judge Gravel's court. It was really cute, and we had a fun time with that. Well, today we're talking about blessed are the peacemakers. And as we talk about peacemaking, you're going to learn the difference between Look that direction, quit glaring at him, and un take your arms away like that. Put them down by your side. Look that direction. Come on, guys, seriously. Today we're going to talk about the difference between being a peacekeeper and a peacemaker. Or my final question for you to, today would be this. Are you seen as a peacemaker, a peacekeeper, or a troublemaker? Well, the Scripture says in our theme verse for today is Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. And it says, the peacemakers are blessed, for they will be called the sons of God. So when you think about peacemakers, what do you think about? I uh, think back to <clears throat> my days in the 60s, and I uh, think about uh, the peacemakers. Remember those days? All right, some of you still live in that world, don't you? All right, I get that. When you think about peacemakers, what do you think about? You think about the opposite of war, perhaps, Right? What else do you think of when you think of peacemaker? Now, this is where you can speak. Look that direction and quit glaring at him. When you think about peacemakers versus peacekeepers, when you think about being a peacemaker, what's another uh, image that comes to your mind when you think about peacemakers? Anybody? What is it? Opposite of war, being a peacemaker is opposite of war, love, joy, peace. 
negotiations, right? You think about that, right? What else do you think of? Diffusers, all right. And what's a good, who said diffusers? What's a good diffuser? To de-escalate. And how do you de-escalate confrontation? It's, it's right here in front of you. You separate, right. So you de-escalate that way. Now, are you guys settled down a little bit? All right, now come here. I want to talk to both of you. And, and, I, and let's, let's work through this, see if we can't figure out what's going on. Come over here and sit down. Don't glare at your brother anymore. And you shouldn't have hit him at the end. That was mean. Now tell me, what is going on? What were you guys fighting about? He ate all the ice cream. You, you ate all... What kind of ice cream? No. Chocolate cookie dough. Chocolate cookie dough. Bluebell? Yes. You ate all of the Bluebell chocolate cookie dough ice cream? Mm-hmm. There is no more. There is no more Bluebell ice cream. Do you know that? Why did you eat it? So what's wrong with him eating all the ice cream? It was in the freezer, right? Yeah, but I told him I wanted some. But who does the ice cream belong to? Both of us. It does. Who, did, who bought the ice cream? Mom did. Mom did. With who? Your money? Her money. That's exactly right. Whose ice cream does it belong to? Well, who bought the ice cream? And who paid for the ice cream? And who owns the ice cream? Or mom. And who owns everything in your home and in your life? Mom and dad. Isn't that right? Say that. Mom and dad. Mom and dad. All right. Who owns you? Mom and dad. Who can take your life away from you? Mom and dad. All right. And now let me ask you guys. You're fighting. Seriously, you're fighting over ice cream. Really? So that's what you're fighting over. Why? So he ate some ice cream. What's the big deal with that? What happened? Well, I ate all the ice cream, and I was getting a little hungry, so... You ate all the ice cream. And what happened? You put it back in the freezer, didn't you? Empty, didn't you? Uh-huh. I had a family member like you, too. Now, let me ask you guys a question. How long have y'all been brothers? Forever. Forever. Okay. Well, that's a long time. What has that been? Like seven, eight, nine, ten years now? What? Right? How old are you? Nine years old. How old are you? All right, so let me ask you a question. We'll talk about the ice cream in a minute. What is the best thing about your brother? The absolute best, coolest thing about your brother? Having a friend. Probably just having a friend, a little friend to beat up on, right? Is that, is that right? Okay, good. What's the, settle down, Trigger. It's going to be all right. What's the best thing about your brother? The absolute best, coolest thing about your brother? Athletic. He's athletic, right? And what's the best thing about your brother? just having somebody to hang out with. So he's athletic, and it's just having somebody to hang out with. And I want to tell you guys a quick story, then I'm going to let you go. I want you to hear me say this. Someday, and I want you to listen to me, and I'm being really serious, and this is Judge Bill. Are you ready? Someday, you're going to be at your mom or dad's funeral. And the only person that's going to be standing there beside you is going to be your brother and your little sister. And someday, long after your mom and dad are dead, you're going to take your great-grandkids to their gravesite to go visit them. And you know who's going to go with you to do that? Your brother. You know who's going to go with you to do that? That's right. Now, let me say this. If both of you continue to eat the ice cream and put it back in the freezer empty, you may not live that long because your mama will come after you. Fair enough? All right. Oh, you see, he's not happy either. That's my grandson. He doesn't like this peacemaker thing. All right, so... One last question. Before we go from here, what is the most uh, exciting thing about you being a part of River Rock Bible Church? Probably how much it's grown. How much it's grown, all right? And so for you, what's the most exciting thing about being a part of River Rock Bible Church? 
to help. All right, so before these guys go, and by the way, they were actors this morning, if you didn't know, and I tried to get them to fight during the song service, and they were really afraid to do that because that would disrupt the Lord and everything he wanted to do. Were they fighting? Were they punching and hitting on each other? They were? Oh, good job, good job. I'm proud of you. Now, let me tell you the coolest thing about these two men that impresses the daylights out of this old guy. These two men volunteer at our church. Did you know that? They... One of them volunteers and holds the door outside, and they both volunteer and help set up and tear down. And these guys do everything they can to be a part of the River Rock family. And guys, you know, just in a few months or a few weeks, we're going to be going to two services. And you know what? We need more volunteers. And I want to say this. I would rather have one of you guys volunteer with me outside greeting people than any old person in this room. And the reason why is because you care and you have the right heart. And I appreciate your heart, and I appreciate your attitude. And guys, this is the future of our church, right? All right, good. Now, you guys going to make up? All right, so here's a peace offering. When Bluebell does come back out, this is a true story, when it does happen, I am going to buy the first half gallon of cookie dough uh, ice cream, and I'm going to eat it, and then I'm going to bring the empty container to church for you guys. Fair enough? All right, you guys get out of here. You're going to your class, right? Good. All right, where are you going? All right, go, go, take a seat. All right, give them a round of applause. Didn't they do a good job? There's a few quotes I want to share with you today and several Bible verses and just three simple truths. Mahatma Gandhi said this. He said, an eye for an eye only ends up making the whole world blind. An eye for an eye ends up making uh, the whole world blind. And I, I don't know about you what brings you to church today or where you're at in your life, your walk with your family, with your, your friends, your co-workers, or or what relationship struggles that you might have, but you really have three choices in life, right? You could be a peacemaker, you can be a peacekeeper, or you can be a troublemaker. And so let me just delineate the difference here for you real quickly. Um, Our world is full of peacekeepers. And peacekeepers are individuals who just separate everybody and don't deal with the problem, right? And you have to be willing to deal with the problem. A peacemaker brings individuals together, right? We try to find that common ground where we can find that and bring everybody to a point of commonality. Does that make make sense? Now, how many of you would say, uh, Bill, my gift is not being a peacemaker. I am just a peacekeeper, all right? Anybody? And by the way, there's nothing wrong. At home, sometimes with your kids, you have to be peacekeepers, don't you? You have to separate them so you can all take a deep breath to figure out how you can be a peacemaker in that situation, right? So how many of you are peacemakers versus peacekeepers? And there is a difference, and we're going to talk about all of those today. Uh, Martin Luther King said this, he said, True peace is not merely the absence of tension, but the presence of justice and brotherhood. Isn't that a good quote? All right, so let's look at three attributes today that I think are really important for us Um, for what it takes to be a peacemaker and what peacemakers do. I want to read another verse before we get into that. It's uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 17 and 18 and verse 21. It says this. It says, Do not rely, uh, do not repay evil for evil. Try to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. And if possible, on your part, live at peace with everyone. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with evil good. Let me ask you a question. How difficult is it to live at peace with everyone? How many of you struggle to live at peace with yourself sometimes? Do you? 
do you ever have those inner struggles, right, where you're struggling, you know, the, the good, the evil? Anybody have that, or is it just me, right? All right, so it's difficult sometimes to live at peace with ourselves. How many of you find it difficult to live at peace with others? And, and can I just ask a question, and I know our pastor's here today, and by the way, I'm really intimidated talking in front of our pastor. I really am. I mean, if it were court, I wouldn't be intimidated. I'd just have the deputy arrest him, take him away, and everything would be even, right? But this is his world, not my world, right? How many of you really struggle with being the peacemaker that you ought to be? Do you? I know that I do at times. In, in court, when I uh, put the black robe on, I know that my role is to be fair and that uh, to be impartial and that my standard is the law, right? And I see people come before me, and it's been my experience in court that everybody is unhappy about something. Had you ever thought about that? How many of you have been to court? Everybody's unhappy about something, right? And then even as I rule, it's also my experience that people remain unhappy with the decision that was just made, right? So in my life, I get to be a peacemaker a whole lot. But the difference is, as a judge, when you're a peacemaker, your standard is the law. And you gauge all of the evidence based upon the law. And when you gauge all of that evidence based upon the law, some people like the outcome and some people don't like the outcome. Me, I'm always happy. I always like the outcome. I get to go home and I'm happy, right? All right, so we're going to look at three attributes today that I think are really important about what it takes to be a peacemaker. Number one, it's this, and you can write this down in your notes. Number one, if you want to be a peacemaker, you need to tell the truth in love. Did you catch that part? You need to tell the truth in love. How many of you have no problem telling the truth? How many of you have a problem with telling the truth in love? I do. I, my grace, my grace factor, you know, I can tell you the truth. I can tell you what the law says. I, I don't necessarily know how to do that with love. I think the first attribute of a peacemaker is you've got to be able to tell the truth with love, right? So in the scenario with the, 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 the two Hollyback boys this morning, what, what do you think a good peacemaker should have or could have done in that situation to tell them the truth in love. I think one of the things you could have done is to tell them, hey, you know, guys, we're at church, and you're both Christian men, you're honorable young men, and, and your actions really today were really inappropriate. Not only are they inappropriate for church, but they're inappropriate out in your back pasture too, Right? So to tell others the truth in love. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, 15 says this. It says, but speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. How many of you are good at telling the truth in love? Now, I was thinking about this attribute, telling the truth in love. And I just want to back up just for a moment to the, the first part of that where it says telling the truth. One of the things that I've discovered is that people struggle with telling the truth. Isn't that funny that I, I would say that? I am in court, and I have teenagers, typically, who are about to come and enter a plea before me on some criminal offense. And their mom or dad is standing right there with them. And I'm making up a hypothetical story. This didn't happen, but it could be something like this. A, a youngster's been charged with minor in possession, and the deputy caught him with six cans of beer in the backseat of a car. And that youngster maybe hasn't told mom and dad the whole story, but they're standing in court with mom or dad. And again, this is a hypothetical story, right? 
All right, now next week, if you're in my court with one of your kids for this, I didn't know anything about your matter. I just want you to know that ahead of time. So that kid's standing before me, and I always say to the young people that stand before me, and I say to the adults, and this is the word I think of a wise judge. I say this, I said, listen, this judge doesn't typically ask you questions that I don't already know the answer to. And if there's anything that's of great importance here today, it's for you to tell the court, the judge, the truth. And I want you to know that if you don't tell the judge the truth, there are consequences. Do you understand that? And you know, that's intimidating. We've got somebody sitting on a bench in a black robe and deputies and all of that stuff. But you would be surprised at the number of kids who will just stand right before me and lie. You know, how do you plead on this matter? Well, I plead guilty, but the truth is, judge, I didn't have anything to drink. I didn't have anything to drink. They were my friend's beers. I didn't have anything to do with it. But yet... In the police report that I'm reading, it said they had six 20-ounce Bud Lights and that they blew a .03. And so then I look at the child with a smile on my face, and I, I, and I say this, I'm going to give you one more opportunity to tell me the truth. And then I say, you're 17 years of age. If you don't tell the truth this time, there will be consequences to your action. And you won't be pleased with those consequences because it won't be your mama's cooking and it won't be your mama's cleaning. Do you understand that? And then I'll say to that student, I'm going to give you one more chance to tell me the truth. And then suddenly that kid go, okay, judge, I'm sorry, I'm guilty. I had four beers and I, I was drunk as could be. And then the mom or dad's right there going, what? My kid? No. He's an angel. You know, yeah. I think in our society, in our community, we've lost the value of telling the truth. And by the way, let me just say this. There's no such thing as a, a, a little white lie. You either tell the truth or you don't. The Bible says in John chapter 8, verse 32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Listen, we have abandoned telling the truth one to another in our society. And sometimes we'll lie just to keep the peace. Doesn't that seem a little backwards? Tell the truth in love. Now, in that little scenario, I let the child tell me all that's going on, and uh, then I can assess the punishment that I think is appropriate for our community based upon the law, and then I'll ask that mom, mom, what, what are going to be the consequences to your child and, and what they've just admitted here in court? Well, judge, I'm taking away their car, I'm taking away their phone, I'm going to take away their life tonight, I'm taking away everything in the world. And so we work through that about what's an appropriate parental response, right? And what's an appropriate court response. But I think it's really important. If you want to be a peacemaker, you need to learn to tell the truth in love. And listen, if you're struggling now with telling the truth, you need to be very careful. It will catch up with you eventually. And by the way, I've never in court put anybody in jail for the crime they committed. In court. I put them in jail for not telling the truth. We've got to be honest one with another. And if you want to be a peacemaker, we need to tell the truth. I think it's ironic. I don't know how many of you have ever been to the CIA headquarters. But at the CIA headquarters in Virginia, it literally has that scripture verse behind the entrance as you walk in there. Think about the paradox of that. The CIA has the scripture verse, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. That's interesting. You'll get that later. You'll figure that out. All right, Ronald Reagan said these words. He said, peace is not the absence of conflict, but it's the ability to handle conflict by peaceful means. We need to tell the truth in love. And let me just say this to mom and dads that are here. 
The greatest challenge that I see in courts is I see mom and dads who struggle to be their kid's best friend instead of struggling to be the parent. And I would say this, even if you're a single parent, what your child desperately needs is for you to be a godly adult role model in their life and tell them the truth. And some of you would say, well, Judge, I'm not going to be very popular with my kids if I stand up to them. Let me say this to you. God never intended for you as a parent to be involved in a popularity contest with your kid. God intended for you to be the parent to stand up to your children. I want you to know this, and I think the Scripture is pretty clear. It says, if you spare the rod, you spoil the child. But hear me out what I'm talking about. If we fail to discipline our children however we choose to do that when they're children, I want you to know that we will suffer the consequences later in life. A disciplined child who has an adult in their life is very important. I don't know if you've ever seen Pastor Charlie with his uh, kiddos. They have three amazing kids. I don't know how they do it. They always look clean. They look bathed. Uh, their teeth look brushed, their hair looks perfect, and they are the most obedient uh, little fellows in the world. And Charlie, your little girl Charlie, she's going to steal some boy's heart, and that's going to create daddy-boyfriend tension someday, but I I don't want to talk about that now. But those kids respect their mom and dad. And if you've ever seen Charlie or his wife around their kids, they're not trying to be popular or famous with their kids, they're just trying to be adults. And and I want to challenge you that if you want to be a peacemaker in your home, the first part of being a peacemaker is to tell the truth and love. But if you're a parent or a grandparent, you need to stand firm. And by the way, I'm a grandparent. How many grandparents do we have here? Love being a grandparent? Nothing better in the world than being a grandparent, right? Even as grandparents, we need to hold our grandkids accountable. And sometimes, I know it's about to break your heart. Are you ready, Nana? Sometimes you've got to put your grandkids in timeout. You do. All right. So the first truth is this. You need to tell the truth in love. The second one is this. If you want to be a peacemaker, you need to apologize when you're wrong. How many of you remember that old show, uh, Happy Days? Remember that? Arthur Fonzarelli? Some of you younger ones don't. Anybody else? Raise your hands. I want to know who remembers that. The rest of you, you have missed life. Put your hands down. Arthur Fonzarelli in Happy Days. Remember, Fonz was cool. He would always go around going, hey. You know, he would do that all the time, hey. And he was so cool, his leather jacket, his white T-shirt, his jeans. But he always seemed to get a little crossways with Miss Cunningham. And he would make a mistake, and Miss Cunningham would hold him accountable and say, now, Fonzie, you need to apologize to me because you were wrong. And, and I remember this growing up. Arthur Fonzarelli could never say that he was wrong or that he was sorry. He would always say something like, I'm so, 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 so. I'm so, 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 so. And she would go, sorry. If you want to be a peacemaker, you need to learn to apologize when you're wrong. Don't be like Arthur Fonzarelli. By the way, if you're going to be like Arthur Fonzarelli, you're going to find out that your life's going to be pretty lonely and you're going to be afraid because in the end, it's just going to be you. You need to admit when you're wrong. Jill and I, we uh, celebrated our 30th wedding anniversary in January. And I uh, was reflecting on what I thought the two most important things that I've learned in 30 years of marriage. And they really boil down to this. Um, Number one, in marriage, somebody's going to make a mistake. And when you make those mistakes, you need to admit those mistakes. And I know that because I'm the one in our marriage who makes all of the mistakes. 
And I admit those when I make those. It's healthy for me, life, and all that is before me. In marriage, you need to admit that you're wrong. But the second part, and this is the third truth that we're going to share with you today about being a peacemaker, is that the third truth is this, is that you need to to forgive and let go. The second most important thing I've learned in marriage is that you need to admit when you're wrong, but then you need to be willing to forgive the other person. And you need to forgive and let go. Now, I like to remember. It's a little selfish thing inside of me. I like to remember what you've done wrong to offend me, and I like to keep that in the back of my mind so I can remember the next time I see you, oh yeah, you're being sweet to me now, but I remember what you did last time. I forgive you, but I will never forget. Have you heard anybody say that? Let me say this, and I want to say this with respect. You're not God. It's not your job to remember who has done what and what they have done. It is your job to forgive. Now, if you want to be a peacemaker, three simple truths. You need to tell the truth in love. Did I just tell you the truth in love? Was that love? A little bit of love in there? Sort of? Kind of? A little bit? You need to tell the truth in love. You need to apologize when you're wrong. And you need to forgive and let go. The last word... I want to share with you is from Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. It says, Accepting one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, you must also forgive them. In just a moment, we do a really cool thing at our church called Take Two. And you'll see a little timer come up and some music will be playing in the background. You have your program in your hand and a pen. Maybe you want to pull out your iPhone and put a note on that or your Android, whatever you have. But during the take two time, that's really a time for you to go, God, what do you want to teach me? And maybe during the take two time, you need to put down the name of somebody that you haven't forgiven. Or maybe you need to put down the name of someone you need to forgive. Or perhaps you need to put down the name of someone you need to ask their forgiveness. Right? So during take two, it's a time for you to reflect upon your heart and what God has taught you here today. By the way, you're either a peacemaker, a peacekeeper, or a troublemaker. Which one are you? Let's pray together. God, we love you. And we thank you for the opportunity to be here this day. Lord, I thank you that uh, you're allowing me just to be a fill-in and help out at our church. Lord, I love you and I love our church. But God, I know that you desire to speak to each and every one of our hearts every day. And God, your desire for us is that we are peacemakers. Help us, Lord, to learn from your scripture and to learn from you today. And Lord, in my own life, when I struggle to forgive those that have offended me, God, point that out to me. And help me to see that I should forgive and forget. Jesus, we love you. Teach us this morning. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. In the next two minutes, look at your heart and see what God wants to teach you.